Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Today, I'll be interviewing author Misty Rain. Misty Rains is a motivational speaker, spiritual life coach, and blogger. Her various life experiences have produced inspirational messages with profound spiritual principles that emphasize forgiveness and love for self and others. She began her career as an elementary school teacher before turning her attention to teaching others how to heal and overcome life's most defeating moments. She will be talking about her new book, Misty Moments, that was released in October, um, late October. Um, and just before we start, I want to just mention her website, which is mistyrains.com, which ha- is a really, really well done website with a blog. And I think after listening to her today, definitely check it out. So thank you so much for being here today, Misty. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. It's an absolute privilege. Yeah, well, thank you for being here. I just feel that you have a lot to offer parents and especially, you know, I mean, I think any time of year, but especially, you know, as we near the holidays, it could be, you know, it's it's a wonderful time, but also it could be a difficult time for anyone who's, you know, gone through any loss. Um, you know, just that's the time where we spend time with our, our family. Um, so I think it's a really nice time to have this conversation and this interview. So maybe you could, could you just start out giving me a synopsis of your new book and what inspired you to write Misty Moments? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, a couple of years ago, life sort of hit me on the blind side. Um, I woke up one morning and could not feel my mouth, my lips, my tongue, the whole right side of my body had gone completely numb. And um, I didn't know what was happening to me, but I knew that it wasn't good. And long story short, I ended up at with a neurosurgeon after an MRI had diagnosed me with a hemangioma. Basically, my bleed, I, I was having, a, I had a brain aneurysm. It was an absolute miracle that I survived the experience. Um, and I was basically told at the time that there was nothing that they could do for me because where my aneurysm was located was in the center of my brainstem and it was just slowly oozing. And so I went through a period of being symptomatic. Um, I didn't know when I woke up the next day if I would be able to write or speak. I lost my vision at one point in my right eye. And so it was a it was a scary time where I had to really figure out what do I believe about life and what, you know, standing on those beliefs and sort of everything that I ever believed was called into question in a sense. And so at that time, it was a time of great faith for me and my family. Um, and I, I, they couldn't operate because to do so would be to go in and cut through the healthy stem cell tissues that I, that I had and leave me worse than I was at the time. So I was really just left with this kind of hope, faith, and a prayer in a sense. Uh And, um, and during that time, you know, when you go through something like that, if you've ever been faced with a life or death situation, it really wakes you up. And it's a, it's a, it's a fully accelerated, fast paced, um, journey towards what really matters and getting perspective and seeing life with that eagle's eye view. 
And my heart at that time really turned towards my children. Obviously, you start thinking about, you know, your most precious commodities and what you value. And there were things that I wanted to say to my children in the event that I could no longer say them to them. And I felt at the time they were too young to really understand what was I wanted to say in my heart. But I began to reflect over my life, the various experiences I had, both the failures and the successes, the times where, you know, your less than proud moments, the things that you glean, the wisdom that you learn from them. And so Misty Moments was really um, a prescription for my health in many ways as I started writing it began a it began a, a therapy for me. It was really healing for my soul. Just to I wrote about forgiveness and letting go relationships, and um, there's a section called healing to wholeness. That process of what I discovered in terms of how I felt was determining how I was healing. Um, the emotions that I was carrying within me, how it affected my nervous system, and that I learned the more that I began to heal those things the more that it affected, literally, I was going in and my my brain aneurysm, which had been the, the hemangioma had, that had been growing substantially, actually began to shrink. And the doctors couldn't even understand what was going on and at the time. And I, and I realized that, you know, how I felt and who I was and what I believed about myself, everything was affecting um, my body and as a result, my life. And, and so it was a tremendous transformative experience for me. Um, and, but that was sort of the inspiration that catapulted me into writing these different moments. Um, and I found that life is a series of moments, you know, that we all go through particularly as moms and we have moments of defeat. We have moments of just feeling like an utter failure. We have moments of victory, we have, we have all kind of different moments throughout our life, and it's not necessarily the moment itself I've learned from us, for me, but it's what that moment is teaching us and how we can apply that wisdom going forward to be the greatest versions of who we are for ourselves and for our legacy, for our children. Wow. So that's, I mean, so, you know, you've been through so much. I was just, you know, curious just from like a, a parent's perspective, how did you explain that to your kids? I know you said when you went through that your children were young but you know how did you begin explaining that to your to your two children right well my children have um it's been amazing because we've actually had some pretty hard hits um in addition to me having the brain aneurysm um last year I lost both my parents within two months of one another. My stepdad, who's been like a father to me since I was quite young, passed away of cancer. Um, And then my mother, unexpectedly, my mother was the greatest love of my life. And she was also the greatest sorrow of my life because their love was so deep. She was more than just a mother to me. She was my counselor and she was my friend. She was my best friend. And Two months after my dad died, my sister and I found her. She had had a heart attack unexpectedly and completely tragically in her sleep. She was in good shape. She was fit. It was a shock to everyone. And, you know, I have found in terms of how how you go through these experiences, I, I will say that when you're looking at the silver lining of things, after going through what I had been through with my aneurysm, one of the things that it taught my family was the value of being present with one another. So the last few years I had with my mom, everyone thought I was the one that was dying. 
you know. Um, I would have never expected the twist that ended up happening of losing my parents when my parents thought they were losing me. But the whole experience taught us just being in the moment and really slowing down. We get in such a rush in our lives. And and for me, there was just this awareness of all the frivolous things that I worried about, that I'd stressed about, that when you're when you're moving towards a more looking at life and death, literally, um, all those things just seem to fade away. You look people in the eyes when you do gather, whether it's just a quick lunch with one another or, you know, you, you realize this moment is really all that I'm promised right here, right now. So you listen more to what someone's saying to you. You treasure the words that they're speaking. So I think for me, my children, all of us had an awareness for what every day was providing for us. And that is something that we've carried over into every day of our lives, um, really being present with one another. And I think that the other thing um, in terms of helping parents overcome tremendous tragedies and For me personally, what really, there were two things that were very impactful for for me that I shared with my children. And there were a lot of moments where, you know, we talked about how we missed her. And the two things that I shared with my children that has helped us go through various changes, whether, whether you are going through loss or of, of an actual person in your life or a real, or maybe it's a relationship that you've been through any type of loss or traumatic experience like that. One thing was just focusing on what remains, focusing on what you have left. Um, when you put your focus on what you've lost, it doesn't really feel good at all. <laughs> I've been there. It feels yeah. terrible. And so an exercise that I would just always do was be Missy, focus on what you have, focus on what you have. And that's actually something that my mother would teach me when I would go through various times throughout my life where I felt like I had lost everything, where, you know, I was in one of those moods where I just felt like, I, you know, there was nothing left. Um, I'd gone through other experiences throughout my life. And I remember she used to say to me, what do you have in your hand? What is it that you have to part your sea, to move forward, you know, in a sense? And And, um, so for me, that was my children and that was realizing that the last thing my mother would have ever wanted me to do was to spend the rest of my life grieving. You know, she would have wanted me to get out of the bed. I was homeschooling my children at the time, actually. So, you know, she would have wanted me to really love them and that they were deserving of that love and for me to get up and rise strong and teach them how to overcome these defeating moments by living that example before them. And so in a way, I kind of had this challenge to pull from deep within me all the lessons and stuff that she had deposited in me throughout my life to apply that for my children and show them that I didn't want them to go throughout their life and feel that once they had lost something, that it was over for them. So I had to be really careful how I live that example before them. So teaching them to be grateful instead of looking at, oh my gosh, we've lost something so valuable was, oh my goodness, look how long I had a, I had a mom for 41 years of my life. 
um, who was an absolute angel on earth. She gave us the best of who she was. And there are a lot of people that never even have that experience. You know, I got to have 41 years. And so where whatever it is in our lives, if we can focus on what we have to be grateful for in those moments, and then whatever experience we're going through, just being able to say to ourselves that if we can sort of have this idea that everything is working together for our good, no matter what's happening, then we can just sort of, I feel, I feel like I just sort of created this world where I knew that there was just this divine um, path that was being orchestrated for me and whatever experience I was in, just sort of yielding and surrendering to that experience and saying, what is this here to teach me? Trusting that it was for my good and for, you know, the cultivation of my soul. And sometimes there are things that we want And I tell this to my children, you know, you want confidence, but you don't necessarily want the experience (laughs) that you've got to have in order to build that confidence. And so I know that there were certain virtues that my soul wanted, um, but I didn't necessarily want to go through the experiences that really, oh, I'm so sorry, my dog. (laughs) I apologize. Um, No, I like dogs. I like dogs. That's the real life for all the parents out there that, um, that, you know, (laughs) that have real life experiences with three children in the house and a dog and everything else. Um, but yeah. And so, you know, that was, that was definitely something that, that helped me and, and just teaching them, you know, your soul is on a journey. And there are certain things in your life that, you know, if you're if you're praying for for certain things or you're wanting your soul to get to a certain place of having these virtues that we all seek for, love, kindness, understanding, you know, empathy for others, sensitivity for others. I can't tell you the amount of just empathy and sympathy I feel for others that has increased as a result of going through my own struggles. Um and, and that's something that I can find to be grateful for. Um, and I think that's just where I have to place my focus in a sense. <laughs> it's very, it helps me a lot. <laughs> well, no, I could, I could imagine. I think it's also, it's just such, I mean, I, I just hope that, um, you know, whoever listens to this, I just feel like, you know, because as I'm listening to you and I'm talking to you, I just feel like it's so much easier to kind of let yourself be down about certain things that you're that you're going through. And I think, you know, as a, as a parent, you know, sometimes we're not just taking care of our children, but we're also taking care of our parents and everyone has different things going on. And it's it's hard to kind of it's sometimes easier to just fall, you know, to kind of succumb to the oh, this is, you know, this is not working out the way I wanted to work or this, you know, this is really upsetting me and this, but I mean, you know, validating the feeling, but then, you know, thinking about the positive aspects of it and what you do have. And I think it's just, cause I think sometimes we just need to be reminded of that a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's easier to kind of just, just sort of succumb to, to being more, I don't know, at least I, I think some people versus others, but, um, but I, I agree in the fact of, you know, what, if I ever feel down, like just sort of thinking about, you know, what makes me feel, you know, what I do have and what I should appreciate. Um, 
And I, I just have one question for you because I think what you brought up was mindfulness, you know, with your children. And I think, you know, as parents, you know, we're always running around or running from here to there and we're cooking and we're cleaning and we're doing all this stuff. I mean, I think, you know, as adults, you know, I've learned to be mindful, you know, um, but how can we teach our children mindfulness? I mean, as far as besides just being the model, like what, you know, any tips for parents that you could, you know, kind of get your children to kind of live in the moment a little bit more instead of sort of just always like rushing from one thing to the next? Well, I don't necessarily think that it's the kids that are the problem. I think it's that we're the problem. <laughs> I think that this is what I have. Yeah. Um, this is what I've learned. I think that we forget how to play. And, you know, it's funny because I've seen this relationship mirrored in my daughter that I've had where, you know, as adults, we want, you know, women particularly, we love to be admired. We love to be adored. We love attention. We, you know, in relationships, there's there's this tendency to just really be drawn to whether whatever attention it is, whether it's, you know, someone is verbally affirming us or they're giving us that rose. They show up, you know, we accept this rose, <laughs> thing. like they give us on a date, and you know, anytime someone just acknowledges our hard work or shows us appreciation and. I don't think our kids are any different. We kind of want to be played with. We want someone to engage us. And as we get older, that hap- that that manifests differently in the sense that we want we love to go and with our girlfriends and we're wanting to have a good meaningful conversation and you know have a great dinner with someone or you know and looking for um, in relationships just the sense to someone to enjoy life with and have fun with and travel with and things like that and I think our kids are really seeking the same things we are Um, they're wanting us to see them notice them and do things that sometimes we think maybe not important or, or not maybe not important it can kind of be more but just sitting down with them and and realizing that there's great value in being present as they read that story that they really like and want you to hear or um, sit down and color a picture with them. And sometimes for moms, it's like, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I got to, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do that. And I think just taking these moments to, because what I found is that there at a point in my life where I realized I had really forgotten how to play. And for me, it's more so, I think our children, the reason that they're so distracted by sometimes technology is because we're lacking providing them those quality moments. And I think sometimes it's a reflection of more of who we are. That's what I found in my personal journey was that the more that I practiced just being present and sitting with my children, whether it's let's build a little fire and just sit by the fire and make s'mores and and just go outside one night and, and just do things to create quality moments that my children were more than happy to engage. You know, maybe it's sitting down and playing a game of Uno, you know, cards or something that they wanted to be present. They wanted to be in the moment. They wanted that value. Their souls, I think, are naturally built to desire that because we all want to be happy and peaceful. But, you know, one of the things that I was going to say a few minutes ago, which is just a little bit on that other topic, um, but it does all ties in that 
one of the things that I've had to learn to teach myself in overcoming things too, um, well, there's two things that I want I was going to say, and it reflects with our children as well, that you have to, you have to aggressively create an atmosphere of, of joy around you. When you've gone through any form of loss or defeat, um, whether that's you've broken up in a relationship and you're devastated and, you know, maybe you've been through a divorce, maybe somebody cheated on the other person, maybe, you know, you've just sort of had the wind knocked out of you. You're dealing with, maybe you've lost somebody, you've gone through a health crisis, whatever it is, there's issues going on with your children. I had to, two things. One was focus on a lot of love and self-care, which I think is incredibly important for moms. Even if it's just take an Epsom salt bath at the end of the day, go outside and have like a cup of tea, slow, make yourself to slow down. So every time I start to get in a rush and I am trying to do everything really fast, I will mentally make myself start doing everything in slow motion. I will just... I will make myself do start going really slow. I'll wash the dishes really slow. It's just this little exercise I do to remind myself. We were going actually to a football game last night and we were running behind and the kids were coming in for school. We we're trying to get everybody ready and we wanted to be there at kickoff. And my nephew, it's his big playoff game and they're going to the final four. And we're like, we've got to be there at kickoff. Come on, come on, come on, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. You know? And, yeah. um, we had gotten in the car and we were driving there and, um, and you know, there's this moment where I'm like, we're going to get there whenever we get there, you know, if, and, and it's just that thing. If, if we miss the kickoff, we miss the kickoff. Like, is this the end of the world? If we miss the kickoff, I mean, just, it's something so simple, but we put so much anxiety and stress on ourselves in little bitty moments like this we don't even realize. And finally, it's just like, my kids are in the car. We're having a wonderful time. What's more valuable, making the kickoff or the quality of this moment that we're sharing together? We're losing a moment by being so, and it was me. It wasn't my children. I was creating the anxiety. And it, so it was just taking that moment to say, you know what, we're all together. We're going to a football game. Let's have a blast. We'll get there when we get there. We can't help sometimes life happens and there was traffic and there was this or that. But you know what? We got there. And once I did that exercise and I brought the family back down, I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> we're in the car. If we miss the gig up, you know, and and I know that sounds silly, but what ended up happening is we got there and we forgot there was a time change. And so we were there an hour uh, early. <laughs> oh, and, uh, you know, and I think that that's how life, that was a beautiful metaphor of how we can rush things. And if we can just slow down and appreciate what matters, we always get to our destination on time. And sometimes we get there sooner when we do that. It was just a beautiful metaphor. The Spirit was showing me that we actually arrive you know, sometimes even early when we just take time to focus on what really matters. And um, so, yeah, I think that um, 
I think that that was a moment of mindfulness for me. It wasn't necessarily, okay, let's all sit down and have a meditation session and breathe and breathe in. It was just a mindfulness to say, what are we doing? We are like freaking out. I mean, (laughs) you know, get the dog, put the water in the bowl, come on, get in the car, get in the car. And I was like, this is insane. We don't have to do this. We're doing this to ourselves. And there's nothing we can do at this point to get that, you know, all we're doing is creating this, this spirit of anxiety for everybody. And so I think those are the teachable moments with my children where I just make them aware of you can make, you're making choices every moment throughout your day. How you choose to respond to things is significant for your emotional well-being and how you feel because this is what I say, how you feel determines how you heal in every sense of the way, emotionally, financially, physically, spiritually. So if you feel bad, you know, it's hard to feel, it's hard to feel healthy when you feel sick. It's hard to feel abundant when you feel poor. It's hard to feel calm when you feel anxious. So at some point we have to start creating a different emotional story for ourselves and really trying to feel better. And a lot of times when you go through traumatic times, you have to focus more a little bit more aggressively on creating moments to, and if you work and you have children and they're, you know, even five minutes a day, that is just your moment to regroup. And, um, and for me, after going through the loss of my parents, I needed an extended period of just some aggressive love and self-care. And I've learned that you know, I have this thing with my kids where I tell them every day at the end of the day, bath time is my time. (laughs) And I literally will serenade myself. I will light a candle. I will go into the bath. It's like a cleansing ritual for me. It is, I wash off all the anything throughout that day that is so I can sleep in perfect peace. You know, I really take time to be mindful during that time to let to just imagine that the waters are cleansing me and washing anything negative that was spoken to me or anything, any mindset that I've, you know, acquired going throughout the day that would have been, you know, I was somewhere the other day, I was at a conference speaking and someone walked up to me and said, you know, the thing is, is there's just no money to be made in books anymore. You just, you can't make money selling books you know, you need to do this or you need to do that, blah, blah, blah. And here I am believing, I just wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like believing, you know, my dream is to write from home and be an author. And I love speaking and, and, um, and I want more speaking opportunities and I enjoy, con- I love connecting with people in person. There's nothing like it. But I also know that for me, I'm trying to manifest a situation where I can be home with my children and use my giftings from that space. So here, this is what, you know, I'm personally believing for abundance in that area. And here this person's like flat out a statement of affirmation. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've written, but blah, blah, blah. Nobody ever reads the book anyway, right? They don't, they don't read your book. And, and I'm sitting here and so... What you have to do, and you know, everybody has those things that are said to them, those limiting beliefs that want to make you, you know, want to bind you in a sense. And and the truth is that you're you're boundless. You know, there is nothing binding you but yourself. The sky's the limit. You you can believe whatever you see for yourself. You truly can. I'm a living, physical, tangible manifestation of that. 
And, and so, but if I didn't cleanse myself of that, we have to take spiritual baths just like we take regular baths. All that dirt just gets on us. It gets in our hearts and in our mind. And I had to go, I went to the bath that night and I was, and I was, I don't receive that. You know, I'm, this is what I'm believing for. Um, I'll just be the exception then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I've come, I've definitely come across that many times, not just, not just personally, but also just work-wise if I'm working with a child who's, cause I, I work with kids with multiple disabilities and mm-hmm. people just saying, oh, he's, you know, he or she is never going to be able to do that. I don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, and I always say, you know what, I don't care if I'm that one person. I know this kid could do it. I know. I, yes. I do believe in them. And um, and so I've learned to kind of just put those thoughts in a different place and say that, you know, I am the exception. This is the exception Absolutely. and I do believe it. And I, and I think also personally, because I've had people say that to me too, like, oh, you know, everything's going to be online. You know, people are not going to go to bookstores anymore. And I'm like, no, it's not true. Um, <laughs> I, but I've come just across many times just through many different experiences, people saying that stuff to me. And it's, you know, it's easy to kind of say, oh, like feeling so bad about it. But the truth is, is that we have to like what my mom used to say is like shake your head, you know, just, you know, mm-hmm. you have to go about believing in what you believe in and what's your gut. Because, you know, you know, I'd say just personally, everything that I've created with my website, my podcast and everything. I mean, it's, I really didn't, it was more about like my gut and what I wanted to do when I felt was important to me and what was important mm-hmm. for other people. So, you know, it's, it's hard. Absolutely. To, yeah. People just want to be negative. I think people that, just want to down yeah. a little, not you, but in just in general. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's hard because you could have a thousand people telling you it's great, but if you have one person giving you criticism, it's like you remember that one person, right? Know, why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we go to that one, you know? And I think that um, I know for me, one of the things that I, I just... I write about that in the book, Overcoming Negativity, and just learning how to stand atop the waters amidst the storm. And I know when I went into the neurosurgeon's office, I remember them basically saying, there's nothing we can do for you. And they referred me to just basically a pain clinic. They wanted me to go to a pain clinic, you know, for you to manage your pain and manage your nerve damage. on. And I knew right then in that moment that I had a choice. I was standing at a crossroads. And I you know, it was like this, the, the spirit saying to me, do you want to be healed? Because if you want to be healed, you, you have to aggressively change your mindset. I knew that I couldn't tell the same story that I had been telling. I knew I had to let go of my, my need to be the victim. I mean, there were a lot of things I knew I needed to look inward and change and redirect my, my thoughts in order to 100% grab my victory. And it was a defining moment of choose life or death. And it was literally a choice of life and death for me. But we're making those choices every day. When somebody says that to you about your website or whatever, again, it's a moment of life or death. In a sense, it's a choosing of a blessing or it's a choosing of a burden. And it's, you know, I made a decision then that that wasn't going to be my story. I was like, no, I don't receive that. I'm not going to live on pain medication. I'm not going to be the girl with the hemangioma. I'm not going to be the girl. With the, I, that's not going to be my story. And I knew that every single person, it's just like you said, when you're talking about listening to your gut, if, if more people would do that, 
it's been innately provided for us. <laughs> like this internal guidance system, this GPS system inside of us. And if we get, if we listen to that, we're so used to feeling this need to trust every other voice around us, but the voice, the natural, innate, organic voice within our hearts and in ourselves. And most of the decisions that I've made that most of the the U-turn or the the decisions I've made in my life that have not necessarily been the best have been the ones that I made when I just didn't listen to that voice. You know, I just didn't try. I, I, I listened to someone else outside of me or I allowed pressure or society or something to talk me into something when that little voice was saying, you're not ready for this or no, or, and so when I follow that and I, and I, and, and what makes me feel good and what I'm in alignment with, it's always turns out good, you know, but I think sometimes we need those little detours too, because they help that contrast provides us the opportunity to figure out what it is we really do want. And sometimes until you experience what you do not want, <laughs> like, no, I don't want any more of this. Um, you really discover that desire is birth for what it is you really do want. And I think we have to learn how to, I think it's scary to learn how to just trust, trust that God innate voice that, that, that has been placed within the seat of our soul. Because I think that we are given that. Um, we've been given imagination for a reason, you know, to, to dream and to create and to be creative and see what we will call our life. What will we name it? What will we declare about it? What will we say that it is? And when we are given these situations, and I found for me, and this is something very powerful that I do, when my mom died... I had two ways, like I mentioned earlier, to look at that situation. I always filter everything through this sort of lens of perspective because two people can be standing beside each other and they can be experiencing the exact same circumstance, the exact same situation, and one can be in heaven and the other can be in hell. Because it's like they say, you know, happiness is something we cultivate within, within ourselves. And there is a place that you can get where you are happy despite your circumstances, that even when you're experiencing loss, you can feel full and you can feel complete and you can feel happy. And there can be peace in the midst of, of, of just um, those moments. You can see them with that spiritual eagle's eye lens of understanding what like the heat to the diamond, you know, what it's cultivating, how it's making you sparkle, the crushing of the olive in a sense is what produces that sacred valuable oil that's so sought after. But when you have a moment, you really have a choice. How am I going to choose to see this? For instance, someone could break up with someone and, you know, they might be in a relationship where they were cheated on. And they could sit there and they could say they could feel rejected. They could allow that situation to cause them to feel less valuable or less worthy. They could feel that they are not enough. They could internalize that situation and it could affect this, their self-esteem for the rest of their life. It could make them bitter. It could create all kind of unforgiveness inside of them that really is like a virus blocking the download of 
everything that they've ever wanted in their life they can have in a sense. But those things like bitterness and forgiveness, they, they block the download in the cloud. You know, they block it. And then you can have another person that may be single or whatever and their boyfriend cheated on them and this happened and maybe they're married and this happened. And, and they could look at the situation and filter it. And it's just basically I get to choose how I'm going to perceive this situation. They might perceive it like, well, you know what? I I really like to date, and and I'm going to get to meet new people, and and maybe maybe I'll find somebody even better suited for me. That's more. And you know, I really, if I was really honest with myself, I wasn't happy in that relationship. I was miserable. Um, and there were a lot of things about that relationship that. Maybe I got married too young. I didn't really know who I was or what was really valuable to me or what I really did. Now I have an opportunity to actually, now that they've left me, I have an opportunity to become more of what it is that I truly value and attract someone into my life that is more in alignment with those those principles. And so it, what I'm saying is that just life is always about, it's just like me saying with my mom, I could have either focused and just been really, you know, lay in bed the rest of my life, crying and mourning over that or set or focus on the fact that, wow, first of all, I can carry my mom with me. Just start reaching for positive things. I would sit there and go, well, when she was alive, I could only be with her physically. But now that she's gone, I carry her with me in my spirit everywhere I go. And that's something I've told to my children. And if you, that's something that helps my children. And I said, you know, I was telling Kate the other day, do you know how Dee would say to you that I'm always in your heart? There's a reason I think that the Spirit set that up. Because when she died, I was able to look at Kate and it's like, you know, when she would say she missed her because they were very close. You know, I would say to her, Dee in your heart now. Like you can talk to her and you know how we'll be doing things and we'll just say, I can just hear Dee Dee saying this to us, you know, and we'll laugh and we'll, we'll carry her with us wherever we go because now Dee Dee's found a way to literally abide within our hearts. And, and so, you know, one of the things I said to her was that Dee Dee is with God now. She's gone back to be with God and God is, with us always, like that spirit of life is in us. It keeps us breathing, and 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 uh, and so now Dee's there too, you know. And those are things that I said, if you know, that helped a child understand um, that. So, yeah. Well, that's. I think. I think you know what you just said. So many wonderful things that I think that a lot of people could take away from. I think. Um, and I really encourage people to to also read your book, Misty Moments. But also, I think, you know, talking to you has has been really inspirational as well, because I feel like, you know, just learning about your different experiences and also just some great tips for parents um, or, or, may, or not parents, too, just, you know, an adult going through a difficult time. So I think it's for anybody. Well, I was going to tell you, when you, you work with special needs, um, children... You know, the, 
one thing that I found, and I'll say this to you and, and what you do, when I was going through, you know, I was told that I would never get feeling back in my leg. I'd lost all feeling down my leg, my foot, my, my I, I couldn't feel a kiss, you know? I mean, imagine as a, <laughs> like not being able to feel when you kiss someone um, because I'd lost all feeling. And, and I was literally told that once the d- nerve damage happened, like once that nerve was dead, that it was dead, it would never live again. And I remember just literally immediately saying, I do not receive, I do not believe that. That is not a part of my belief system. It can live again. And guess what? It did. I got back my feeling in my mouth, my lips, my leg, my toes. So I'm still working on my right hand and my right arm. They're still numb. But you know what? It's a journey. Life healing is a journey and sometimes it can get worse before it gets better. But the good news is, is that it is getting better. And what I was going to say to you is that what I found that healed me truly ultimately was love. It was the love of my family. It was feeling love. It was loving myself after years of being unkind to myself that my body was tired. I used my gifts. It was interesting that my two areas of my body that were going numb were my hand and my mouth. And those were the two areas where I had been gifted. And it's like my body was saying to me, Missy, you've been performing for your worth, validation, and significance your whole life. And we love you enough to give you a wake-up call. Now, when I speak and I write, I do it from a space of fulfillment, not performance. And I write about that journey in the book, what it taught me and what I passed down to telling my children, you know, do what you do, do what you love for love of the game, not for validation, not for someone's like, not for someone to follow your Facebook wall, not for someone to tell you, you are, you don't need someone to tell you that you're valuable, that you're good, that your work is good. What you're doing for these children is creating an atmosphere of joy and love and peace, and you're surrounding them and immersing them with someone that believes in them and cares for them, that will heal them. That in itself, that atmosphere will heal them. I think this is why they bring in like little puppies. Have you ever seen them bring in puppies to people that are sick? Because puppies have such a vibration of joy, you know, and and how you feel is determining how you feel. And so what you're releasing over those children that's emanating from your heart can literally start creating an atmosphere for them to find healing for themselves in every way, emotionally, mentally, physically. It can literally change the cells within your body. I believe our cells respond to that. You know, love conquers all, period. It can do anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, thank you. Thank you so much today, Misty. I think that oh. um, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. And I look forward to more books that you're going to write. Um, and you. you continue to um, just get your message out there. And I and you also have events on your website as well, like when you're going to be talking. Yeah, I'll post them as go. I'm actually here in Alabama. I'll be on the ABC, ABC Monday morning um, for like our talk of Alabama, sort of like the Good Morning Alabama, like our local um, ABC station here. Um, and I'll always be, you know, on my Instagram and 
Facebook. I know that'll always be up to the minute. So, uh, well, thank you yeah. so much. I definitely want to um, keep in touch, and I just want to thank, thank you. you again for sharing all your inspiration with everyone. Well, oh, thank you, know, you. With me and with the anyone who's listening. So, thank you. What's well, a privilege? I have utmost respect and for what you're doing, and uh, and I'm just I'm over here cheering you on. Just go get it, girl. You can do it. <laughs> I'm girl, proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> thank All right. you. You're you're amazing. So, um, well, thank you again, and thank you for listening. Listen and learn with us at Language during Mealtime. <laughs> <laughs>